Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, relationship coach, and rehabilitation counselor. I'm also a Christian who for years grew up in a church that taught me to fear God instead of love God. For years, I felt betrayed by God and felt like God didn't love me because I wasn't perfect and because I didn't do the right thing all of the time. For years, I felt like I was destined to go to hell because there was no way I could keep all of God's laws and there was no way I could win God's approval. It wasn't until I began to read and study the Bible on my own that I realized that, yes, there is nothing I could ever do to be perfect. I will never be able to win God's approval. But the great thing about it is that I didn't have to because God loves me the way I am and God is here to help me through any and everything that I go through. It wasn't until I realized that God was there for me and that what I had been taught about God my whole life was a lie that I began to understand who God really was. It wasn't until I began to lose my religion and focus on God that I understood who God was and his amazing love for me and how much he loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different journey and a different path to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finding God. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Welcome to season two of the podcast, guys. Super excited to have you here. And I'm also excited for you to hear all of the wonderful guests that we have in store for you for season two. Now this week, beginning of season two, episode one, we have two very special guests and they are James and Brandon. They are pastors and they also have a podcast called Bread and Beats Mix Show, which is a podcast that talks about the Bible and how they understand it and what the Bible really says about Jesus and who he is. They also have an initiative called Proper Knowledge where they try to help people find out who God really is. This is an amazing interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Brandon and James. Hello, Brandon and James. How are you doing? What's going on? Good. Doing all right. I am happy to hear that. Thank you guys so much for being willing to come with and talk to me on the Finding God podcast. I am so excited to hear your stories and how you got to the point where you are doing your own podcast called Bread and Beats. But before we get to that, let us start with your childhood and kind of talk about how that helped you with your relationship with God. Now, I'm going to be honest, this is the first time I've had two people on at one time. So what's funny when you, you know, just kind of looking at some of those things like me and Brandon, you know, this, this is my brother. Yeah. Okay, good. And we, you know, so <laughs> it's funny how even our childhood has so many like parallels parallels yeah. so we'll probably be able to just yeah. bounce up like wait you did that i did that too. right you went there i went there so right. it's probably one person right <laughs> okay because i said you guys figure out how you're going to answer the question yeah, right. out there. and whoever answers really first, time. Yeah, right. 
Okay. So the first question I want to ask is, what was your childhood like? Yeah, I mean, well, for me, um, you know, I had a mixed family. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, step parents, uh, stepmom, stepdad, okay. obviously my mom, my dad. So I, I lived in both homes. So for me, it was, uh, I had basically four parents and all four, for the most part, would tell me different things, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and for me, um, you know, my parents were, were there, they worked hard, you know, and that was kind of the thing. They were always working. So my mom and my dad were just doing what had to be done uh, to make sure that myself and my sister had what we needed, you know, could do what we wanted, you know. We weren't rich. We weren't poor. We were kind of bottom end, middle class type things. And for the most part, you know, they were on the same page. And, you know, we're, a, um, I guess you can call it a, a passionate family in terms of our opinions <laughs> and <laughs> how for we communicate sure. things. You know, other people might perceive it as loud and argumentative, <laughs> but, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> so we grew up, you know, kind of being taught that way where everything was a rebuttal and everything was a you know, uh, a passionate explanation of something, you know, so we, we grew accustomed to, you know, volume and, mm-hmm. and just hard, stern declarations where, you know, one way is this, and this is the way it is, and those sorts of things, and just kind of, um, you know, whatever it was, that was kind of the way we were taught and saw things growing right. up and whatnot, so. Yeah, and then both of us are the oldest, so mm-hmm. we both had sisters. Yeah. So we grew up with our sisters that are very, you know, small gaps. I mean, not too many years apart. So having to be responsible as both, you know, all our parents, my parents the same, you know, they worked all the time. Stepdad worked at night. Mom worked in the morning. Dad worked. You know, so it's like everyone's all over. So it was really on me to not only take care of myself, uh, but also take care of my sister. And and the same thing for for B as well. Yeah. And for me, because where I grew up, um, you know, we mentioned just chatting a little bit before was, I grew up in in Inglewood, California, where, you know, in the 80s, that was, you know, people weren't, that wasn't a place you wanted to (laughs) move to, you know, (laughs) growing up, you know, you think of like hip hop music and stuff like that on the West Coast, and you're like, oh, yeah, that stuff is dope. It's like, not if you're living in it, you know, (laughs) it just wasn't. And then for me in particular, you know, um, I'm, people couldn't figure me out. So while my parents were out working, you know, I spent a lot of time with, uh, with my grandmother, and, you know, again, taking care of my sister mm-hmm. and all of our neighbors, you know, it was mostly Spanish speaking Hispanics and black folk. And mm-hmm. I don't speak Spanish <laughs> and I'm not black. So I was just kind of this kid in the middle and, yeah. you know, trying to, to wrestle with that and deal with that and teach my sister about that and receive instruction from my folks about, you know, it was just a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, to process. Yeah. And so for that, you know, I kind of, I kind of became a slow learner, because I learned to just just tune stuff out, because mm-hmm. everyone was saying things that just didn't make sense to me. Right. You know, the way I saw things compared to what people were saying was always very, seemed to me contradictory. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was, it was, it was tough, again, you know, knowing that my parents were doing the best they could to put us in a good position, um, also weren't there. And then the communication dynamics were always, when you bring up a point, whether you want it to be an argument or a debate or something like that, and it just becomes that, you know? Yeah. And so it was really kind of discouraging to to have questions and ideas and opinions and perceptions that you couldn't really get addressed, right? And I then, that, like you yeah. said, you get the little sister who's provoking and nagging and doing <laughs> what little sisters do, right. you know? <laughs> and then with the surrounding that's also provoking and prodding and doing all these other things, like, you know, it was just 
it was it was a interesting dynamic, you know, to say the least. And then for me, you know, I grew up in Orange County, <laughs> and Orange County near Disneyland. Right. It's either Disneyland or beach, and I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not either. <laughs> and kind of the part where I grew up, you know, it was a little more more high end, you know, families, you know, wealthy, all that kind of stuff. But like, my family was in the middle, right? right. So I'd go over to all these kids' houses, and you know, I played a lot of sports. So I had the latest of everything, right? The latest bike, the latest skateboard, the latest bats and balls and everything. And I'm coming over with just like my whatever, you know, my parents could have got me at the time. Yeah. So it was tough. You know, you get into those dynamics where, you know, you're walking into these, you know, multi-million dollar homes and there's pools and there's this and all those things. Wow. But then, then the parents, you know, dynamics, just even how the kids would talk to their parents. I'm like, dude, I would never... Like I would never talk to like my parents laid out that way, like <laughs> ever. I'm like, you're about to get it. And they wouldn't. So a lot, again, as we're building our childhood and trying to walk yeah. through those things, trying to have that understanding of like, okay, like how, how do you communicate? Like, how do you, how do you live ultimately? Right. right. As we're mm-hmm. kind of developing those things. And the same thing with my sister, she was always on my side. Right. And then because I didn't have a, a older brother, older sister, right she was it was just me and her Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we did everything together you know we're throw the ball around well she's gonna learn too (laughs) i'm trying to work on my you know first step of my you know routes for running football drills well she's gonna help throw the ball i mean you're just because we're always together so i think that kind of built that base i guess Mm -hmm. right (laughs) no i totally understand i am the oldest as well and i have two younger sisters and so i get it because it's like you're the oldest and you're kind of the ones that have to be responsible and they look up to you and yes, a lot of, it's good in a way because you always had little minions to do your bidding, but then oh, it's yeah, not right. good yeah. <laughs> because you have for to be sure. like a role model. And like right. you said, it's hard to be a role model when you're just learning this stuff for yourself as well. So no one's exactly. teaching you that yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. I yeah. totally understand. Now this is nice. All older kid. We should call it the older kid forum. Right. There yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you were younger, was God a part of your life or did you know about him? Like, what was your relationship with God or your knowledge of him at that time? Yeah, so for me, you know, both, you know, families, again, as I mentioned, I had a, you know, mixed family, different mm-hmm. parents, but we had the Catholic side, we had the Baptist side, we had the Pentecostal side, we had, so we had it all. <laughs> so I think I'm pretty well-rounded when it came to just at least being introduced to who God is, being introduced to Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as Holy, right? And then the Trinity and all those things. Like, so I think for me, for the most part, had a pretty good base and foundation of just God being in the midst. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as my understanding of all that, I'm sure we'll spend some time talking a little bit about that. But nonetheless, you know, we had a pretty good base, went to church for the most part pretty regularly. Um, I mean, yeah, even just the Catholic side, right? Doing the mass thing. And all yeah. that. So definitely had that experience myself. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, my, my grandma, you know, I spent a lot of my, my younger years with her. Right. Uh, she was super, super hardcore yep, believer. Yep. Um, and so I, conceptually, I learned about, you know, the idea of God from her because she was right. just always praying. I mean, always working and doing something, but praying as she went, she would stay at home with me and taking care of me and stuff like that. So I understood, you know, conceptually things like prayer, things that God is above us, you know, that he He is, you know, in control of things and, you know, very general and broad concepts. And, you know, it's, as I got older, I understood that there was a God. Um, yeah. I, again, not knowing who he was or mm-hmm. what he was about. I understood Jesus, 
Uh, but even listening to my grandma praying stuff, you know, she she prayed in Spanglish. So, you know, <laughs> so it's like I'm only getting bits and pieces. <laughs> right. And because of when she grew up in in uh, the United States, like it was, you know, she was ridiculed and stuff for speaking Spanish. So she was like not at all trying to teach me Spanish because she didn't want me to get beat up and made fun of and those sorts oh, of things yeah. for speaking it. So she would speak it to herself. And I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to listen to like, I don't know what you're saying. So even general conversation would be like mixed. So. Um, you know, when it came to that sort of uh, that communication, it was it was uh, challenging. And my parents, um, you know, they started Catholic and then mm-hmm. somewhere around like elementary school, they became, you know, what we call born again Christians and changed right. church, you know, culture mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so, yeah, for me, too, we went, you know, we went to Sunday mass when I was real young. And I remember getting in trouble for being squirrely in the pews and trying to play <laughs> healer and yep. stuff like that, you know, like all the kids do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, my parents, they, they grew up in the church, you know, my, my, my mom, she went to Catholic school and her brothers and, you know, they were altar boys and all that stuff. So they kind of came with a religious background and then, uh, like, yeah, probably elementary school age, um, you know, when they, when they changed churches and changed, you know, and, and really got saved, it was, uh, it was, it was different, you know? And so all of a sudden the perception and their communication about the Lord changed with, church culture when it changed so suddenly there was like a youth group where there wasn't really Mm -hmm. that in the catholic church Mm -hmm. we went to and you know me and my cousin were a part of that and it was just different you know now there were youth retreats and things like so we went to those things and you know i had some some cool moments some bad moments i remember you know responding to altar calls and things like that not knowing what i was really doing you know my cousin went up so i'll go up type of thing (laughs) you know so there was experiences that were spiritual in nature but again like what james said there was no no understanding whatsoever of what i was doing really of who god actually was people talked about the bible but no one really explained what it meant and again it was just taking in information and no one really teaching how to process it so i knew of a god didn't know the god of the bible i knew there was a bible i knew jesus by name uh, but no more than that really yeah and that was pretty much pretty similar to me mm-hmm. you know having my great grandparents really were our kind of rocks you know for mm-hmm. sure you know where my great grandfather like you know i just remember him taking us to like school and stuff and he'd have sermons playing or have christian music mm-hmm. going on and you know me and my cousin would be in the back still kind of messing around or whatever right. <laughs> but you know you, you you remember that stuff yeah you know go forward to even years now like i remember some of those things that i'd hear on the radio right. maybe some of those songs and hymns and things like that to where I'm like, ah, okay. Like him just even planning Mm -hmm. that while we're just driving to school. Mm -hmm. So, and then my great grandmother, same thing, you know, my grandma. Yeah. So we had, we had a lot of people, you know, just within our family that, you know, were just love the Lord, you know, and I understood that didn't know why. (laughs) Right. Right. So it was, that was the kind of trying to figure out, right. It's like, okay, you guys serve this God. You love this God. You pray to this God, all these things. Mm -hmm. Like, am I supposed to do that too? Right. <laughs> right. And that's where we, you know, we're trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah. And it was, again, it was a command by instruction. We yeah. go to church. So you go to church, yeah. you know? Yeah. So we go to this part, they have this, so you go do that. You know, my grandma do this because the Lord will get mad at you if you don't, you know, those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And still never really communicating who it was that they were talking about, but understanding that there was a significant authority figure <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> who had tremendous ability right. and knowledge. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't want to tick him off, you know, so that was, <laughs> yeah, kinda, you know, yeah. 
that is hilarious because I felt the same way when I was growing up because okay. like you said my mom she was very religious we had it was a family like generations of people who went to church okay. and so like you said the whole thing was okay I'm going to church you have to go it wasn't a choice right. you didn't no. get asked mm-hmm. are you going to church today it's just like okay no. get your clothes on you're going to church right. <laughs> or you're going to sing the kids choir you're going to do this there's no right. asking it's just like no, you did no. it right so, <laughs> Anyway, that's just how it was. So I totally understand because my perception was the same way. I would think, well, you know, I need to behave because if not, God is going to get me. So my whole religious experience as a kid was not getting into trouble. Right. Paying my ties, so I wouldn't be broke. You know, that was just right. my whole thinking. Right. I was just like, I need right. to get this thing right. But of course, as I got older, it evolved. Right. Now, as a child, what was like the one thing that stuck out that stuck out to you about God? Like that one thing that made you think positively about him? You know, like that one thing that made you think, oh, there's God, even though you didn't have a full concept of what it was about? I think for me, it was just like understanding that I'm living and I'm breathing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like every day waking up and, you know, getting to whether go to school, play sports, you know, just even watching my parents, you know, even when they'd struggle, but still would be able to find hope, you know, and joy and yeah. find peace and then watch, you know, again, my grandparents, great grandparents, you know, and just do the same and understand like, okay, God, like, regardless of circumstances, situations, outcomes, all those things, the fact that I get to at least enjoy this day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And maybe I get tomorrow, mm-hmm. maybe the next, right? And we just, we walk that way. So for me, I, I that would probably be the one that really stood out for me. Yeah, I think for me, it's, I saw I saw the Lord as like as a problem solver, you know, mm-hmm. and you went to him to have problems solved. And sometimes he responded and sometimes he didn't. But the way it was kind of communicated to me was that um, when it didn't seem like he was responding to our problem, he was either enabling us to deal with it himself or just was going to get to it at some point. And I really watched it again with my with my grandma on how she dealt with her sons because I used to laugh. It was pure Comedy Central because they come through and they 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 did not embrace the faith of you know my grandma, their mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they went they went the total opposite direction and they were you know the evil voice in my ear oftentimes trying to provoke me <laughs> to do things, you know. So I used to watch because I know what they would tell me and then my grandma would go after them and just sit them down and scold them. I, these are grown men at this point, you know. What I'm, I'm a kid. I'm right. and I'm dying. I'm around the corner laughing, like ha ha. Like they got into trouble, and they're grown men still, you know. Like I get in trouble like that. You're like 30, and you get in trouble like that. <laughs> yeah, this. right. This funny. Yeah, you're a grown man. So, but I used to see not just that, but how my grandma would continue in prayer when they left, mm-hmm. seeing that the way they were living their lives was a problem. And even though it was entertaining to me, I saw how she connected with the Lord for help. And so that was kind of the issue was I recognized that, you know, I didn't understand what help really meant, but that when you need it, whatever it is, that the Lord is an available resource to go to. And of course, we know now it's way more loaded than that. For sure. Uh, But I think that's kind of how I saw it It was where, you know, God is someone separated from us, but is able to do things that make life manageable to some degree to where even when it's not perfect it's manageable, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of how I, I, I learned about God's interaction with people. And it was hard to see things as a young kid of how he offered that help. But I remember as like going closer to high school and my grandmother getting older and health problems, things like that, like I'd see things happen, you know, and it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. like my grandma right. was with this issue and now it's gone. Like, yeah. 
then that prayer stuff is legit, yeah, you know? And, sure. and to me, it almost became like the Lord was a, you know, <laughs> was like a magician, you know, or like, a, <laughs> like, like somebody who could, yeah, just do these tricks and things yeah. like that at that point. So, um, but the, the aim of those tricks in my perception then was to enable us to do stuff, you know, whatever right. that was. So tell me about teenage years. What was that like and how did God fit into your life during the teenage years? <laughs> Dark ages. Right. You know? <laughs> and I think that's really where, you know, we were talking about that yesterday, you know, just looking at those years. <laughs> and I think that's when life just really changed, you know, like for me, you know, having a better understanding of just like even my, my, my family dynamic and what my parents where it was just like, okay, now I starting to see like, why I have a stepmom, why I have a stepdad, and then our relationships we had, the relationship like my mom and my dad had, and then just watching how they would interact with each other, and sometimes good, sometimes bad, but nonetheless, like, growing up in that sense, and now, like, my sister's older, she's starting to get in a little trouble, and just kind of running around, so now, dynamics are shifting, (laughs) and then for me, you know, again, I was the oldest, so it was almost like I had this like high road, right? Like I'm the oldest, I'm the smartest, I'm should going to end up being the most successful, I'm going to be the the wealthiest, like all that was on my shoulders to just kind of change the game, right? It was like, okay, for me, it's now go time. So right. take care of school, because then you'll be able to go to college, yeah. go to college, and you'll be able to go make a bunch of money, make, make a bunch of m- money, now you'll be able to provide, blah, blah, and we go, right? So for me, it was sports and, you know, just friends and school and obviously relationships with yeah. girls. And, I mean, all that to just completely take me off that. Yeah, God's still there. <laughs> He's still real, still allowing me to breathe. But at that point, it's like no consideration, mm-hmm. right? It was like, yeah. Now, at that point, the family kind of split a little bit from the church. You know, mom would go kind of dad would go stepmom not really stepdad sometimes like so now you're watching them just kind of not be so involved in a sense in the church still got to see like my great grandmother my great grandfather my grandma you know still be failed so I think that's what helped me to kind of still keep that pace and that foundation because I knew if I went over to my grandma's house my great grandma's house you had a certain behavior Mm-hmm. and a standard right like yeah you don't be bringing right. nothing over there yeah. <laughs> don't be bringing no noise right. don't be bringing no mess because <laughs> the lord right. is not cool with that stuff right. so i think that helped kind of i guess keep a good still foundation for me and still understanding that hey look god is true and real right mm-hmm. now me not walking in his ways and serving him and all those things you know later on i would eventually learn that stuff mm. but i think for me teenagers yeah that was just go time it's me time i think i got kind of roped into just the the world really you know and it's just general doctrine of like hey right. go get it you could be who you could be you can whatever you want to achieve like just go like the world is yours right mm. it really was that so i took that in and just did everything to you know try to take over <laughs> right yeah, for me, like it was, it got it got ugly fast. You know, I had a, you know, in junior high, um, just I had to change schools. So I changed schools often, just because you know I live with my parents, but they were always working. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. So depending on where they were, my parents were moving. You know, they were kind of as I got older, climbing up the corporate ladder, so to speak. So things got better financially. So we were able to move out of you know 
one quality of hood into a better quality of hood <laughs> and then out of hood altogether. So, but each time I was changing schools and schools, I was still kind of staying close to where we had come from. So that the, the, the crowd of the, the individuals changed, but the environment didn't really change. Right. So growing up where, again, I was kind of a fish out of water, can't really identify with everybody. And it's weird. You look at me and you don't think like race is an issue that mm -hmm. a guy like right. me would have yeah. to deal with. But again, I didn't speak Spanish. I wasn't black and I wasn't white either. So the junior high school I went to, like it was, there was some stuff going down. Um, and it, and, and I was kind of the guy in the middle, you know, with no one to really identify with, which meant when stuff went down, I was on my own. So I had to learn to fight quick. And again, all the communication and, <clears throat> you know, if you remember in the early, you know, late eighties and ninety, like stuff got crazy in did, Southern yeah. oh, California sure. and LA yeah. and whatnot. And it was, was you know, nasty. we were kind of in the hotbed of that. And it, it, it hit us, you know, as, as, as early as junior high. So gang violence was a real thing. And the issue for me, though, was I was kind of mad because I wasn't being recruited in the games because <laughs> no one knew right you know, which side. Yeah, it. I was like this wild card. They're like, well, you can't go with us because you get killed here. And you can't go with us. You know, just like, oh, man, like, I can't even funny. be in a gang. I just whack, you know. So what ended up happening is, you know, again, that's also the time where my parents stopped going to Catholic church, started going to a, you know, non-denominational Christian church. And so that environment changed. So all this sensory overload mm. of change just made me default into anger, just right. pure anger. <clears throat> so people at school were fighting for gang reasons. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to just fight. Mm -hmm. I'll take all of you. And that's what it was. Like, I felt like, you know what, if, if I'm not going to belong to everything, I'm going to destroy any, everything. Right. And so I just took on this mentality that it's like, it's going to be me and only me. I'm going to tune out the world. And the direction I really started to pursue at that time was music. So <clears throat> the, the only person I could identify with that didn't care about anything was my band teacher and an art teacher. And so those two guys um, really kind of took me under their wing and put gave gave me a direction to go into and and football as well. But that was kind of an off campus thing. Right. Uh, but those three things worked together for me to channel anger, because that's really what my teenage years were was just pure anger out of confusion. You know, there was a lot of things being fed to me and no one no one made sense in my head. You know, these guys were saying we hate them because of this. I'm like, well, that's stupid. And no one is explaining why that's true. And I'm supposed to hate you because of this. Well, that's stupid, too. And you won't explain why. So I'm going to hate both of you. <laughs> and, you know, and that's kind of right. the approach that yeah. I took. And then yeah. it got it, it intensified more where, you know, in high school, um, I went to, you know, I got pretty good at football. So I got recruited in a way to go to a private school here. And it, but it was a Catholic all boys school. Right. So that's a tough dynamic for any situation. And, and, you know, I look back and even joked about it. Then it was almost like juvie or prison. <clears throat> Cause when you, <laughs> when you remove the female element from a growing teenage boy, stuff gets crazy quick, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when there's no oh, distractions, sure, right. there's no one you have yep. to impress. You yep. could, it's, it's, it gets, it's different, you know? So, but it, it was, it was weird in a sense. Cause it almost encouraged violence. Cause the mm -hmm. quality of testosterone, there's no balance, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was just, and then it was a football school. So if you played football, you could kind of do whatever you wanted. It was very much like what you would assume to be at a big, you know, premier college football program. Like that's wow. kind of the lifestyle I got shoved into. But all the while, my first experience there was I go to a mass and I was kind of familiar with it, but it had been a few years. I had gone to non-denominational Christian school for a while. So when I go up to take communion, 
they like smelled the non-Catholic on me, <laughs> singled me out in front of the football team and said, you're not Catholic and, and everything. This is my freshman year before school had even started. And this was the athletic director, the JV coach. This guy had like, oh, and puts me on blast like that. And that really set me off. So then I hated all Catholics and I was stuck there for four years. And then I was confused as to why Christians weren't accepted. by. So just more and more and more. But now the spiritual side of things started to take, you know, shape <clears throat> um, into fuel to, to get me going and juiced up. It would just, you know, I wanted to be against everything. So then, you know, later high school, that's when rave culture became a thing. So that I gravitated to like a tractor beam because it was counterculture, you know, middle finger to the, everything in the world. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I want to be like you guys, you know, and wear bright colors and baggy pants and be an idiot, you know, out in the middle of the desert. So, <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, you know, and I, I, that's, you know, taking my music experience as a DJ into that through high school years and stuff, you know, that was kind of my refuge and God is not a part of any of that. You know, <laughs> there are people out there claiming to have spiritual experiences. That's, that's yeah. called being high, you know? <laughs> right. And so <laughs> And it just, it wasn't a part of that. And I didn't care. I, I really didn't. I was so angry. And it wasn't necessarily projected at God because he wasn't really a thought. And I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> because I didn't understand the quality of help that God really offers and what he's really about is I was, I did enough to kind of be rebellious purposefully, like as a habit of life, but not so much because I was still scared you know, <laughs> and again, not knowing the dynamics of who God is, I figured, you know, as long as I could not get caught by law enforcement or my parents or school officials, I could do whatever I want. So I got really crafty, you know, in my hustle <laughs> and very, um, you know, I learned to, to, to just lie, you know, really well. And so that was, that was teenage for me it was being a rebellious, hateful liar you know, and finding ways that appeared to be good to other people right. to project that, right? So getting my say as a, as a DJ or as a football player and those sorts of things, and all the while just really hating everything because of the just many voices communicating so many conflicting things about everything I was experiencing, you know? Yeah, for me, it was, I mean, again, just being selfish, you know, because I knew I could get away with everything because, like, Again, high honors, you know, my grades were way up there, you know, sports was pretty good. Like, so everything I was doing, again, there's that perception of success, right? right? Yeah. James can do whatever he wants. James gets away with everything. So, but right. on the side right. is where I'm, you know, doing yeah. all the shenanigans right. Right? <laughs> and running my own little muck. But right. then it's like, oh, James wouldn't do that. Right. I think what's funny is, and, you know, Brandon knows my cousin. But we have the same name, but just different middle names. Yeah. But it's so funny, like everyone calls him by his middle name. But anyway, well, when school would call, they'd call my house saying, hey, James missed class today. Hey, James missed school today. Well, I know and I'd be like, no, that's my cousin. Right. Like, that's not me. Yeah. And I'd get away with it because they're like, oh, yeah, like he wouldn't ditch school, right? Because my cousin would. <laughs> so I took advantage of that hustle. You know, yeah. so again, nonetheless, those type of things, right? Because mm -hmm. I was successful in a sense, right? Because I was doing well, right? I look good outside. But I think, again, deep in and all those understanding my just, just silliness. Right. I mean, right, ultimately. Right. <laughs> I don't even know we should call it silliness, whatever, because I think we've all done that. Because yeah, my teenage right, years, right. 
yeah. you know, I did what you kind of did, Brandon. It's like I rebelled, but then yeah. I didn't do it too much because I wasn't trying to get in trouble. And by that time, I had learned that I couldn't just be the normal Kiana that would just go out all crazy and be like, I'm doing this and I don't care. I kind of figured out that. Yeah. So if I say yes and okay and I obey, then I can pretty much get away with everything because they're like, oh, she's good. She's doing this. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, That's right. what I did. Now, my sister, on the other hand, she just went all out doing whatever she wanted. <laughs> but it worked yeah. because while my mom was focusing right. on her, I can uh -huh. be the good kid and get yeah, away with yeah. stuff. So, but see, yeah, we had the similar situation because my sister was yeah. way on the other side. So while they're paying attention to her and working through all the stuff she's doing i'm on the side like oh this is the good life right here right right yeah for yeah. me i've tried to take the approach of being like a professional about the whole situation right so because i figured if i look professional then no one will suspect yeah. anything you know and especially since you know i man i just i got so selfish like i wanted to cut everybody off like right you know i didn't care if my parents knew where i was or anything like i wasn't really disrespectful to them to the degree that you see a lot of places, but right. just thinking now, like how, how horrible it was that I didn't care if they were around or not, you know, and, mm. and, and even with my grandmother and knowing that she was praying for me and stuff, I didn't care if she was around or not. And even right. like my wife now I met in my sophomore year of high school and amazing. yeah, so it's been a long time, mm -hmm. you know, and even yeah. her, like thinking how I treated her, it's just like, dang. I sucked because you know, <laughs> I just I was so angry all the time that I figured like I learned how to tune people out and things out all together. Just, you know, in, 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 in audio, we call it ear fatigue. And I had like mental ear fatigue. It was just too much stuff. And it was all I thought it was all stupid, you know, and either because I thought I was smarter or it was just literally stupid, didn't matter. So I tuned it all out and just became so selfish, but realized that if I sound good mm -hmm. saying what I'm going to do, they'll just let me do it if, you know. Mm -hmm. And became a great salesperson, you know, a closer. Yeah, right. <laughs> Convinced everyone around me that my my selfish trajectory was a good thing. Yeah, and right. I was, was like, oh, right man. Thing. Right. It was horrible. It's hilarious. So what kind of brought you guys to a point where you started to take God more serious? What experience made you do that? <laughs> I mean, yes. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it was your uncle, really. Yeah, it's really what kind of it started. There. So that yeah. Uncle I was telling you about and my grandma used to get at. Yeah. Um, yeah, him and I were pretty close. In fact, we were maybe closer than him and his actual son, me and his son, my cousin, we were like brothers growing up. Yeah. And then through high school, like, it, just things changed. We didn't really live all that close to each other. So um, but through that time, when me and my cousin kind of grew a little distant, me and my uncle actually got closer because okay. my grandma started living with us. So he was around because of her and still doing his silly stuff. So we had gotten close. And when I say silly stuff, I mean like criminal stuff. So right. <laughs> it was silly, but it wasn't that silly, right. you know? Right. So, but I thought, I don't know. I, I, I didn't look up to it. I just, I, I really enjoyed, you know, for entertainment, watching my grandma yell at him. Like it was, yeah, everybody really did. That, yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, just scolding a grown man was funny to me. But <laughs> so, but one day, you know, and this is, you know, well after college and things like that i'm working on my music situation had changed I, I worked in the music industry professionally for many years at that point and then one day like my production studio like the phone just stopped ringing and nobody was calling me for work anymore i was just like whoa you know so again kind of thinking well the lord is a helper lord i need money so bring that to me 
and he 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 didn't and not in the way that I wanted to so um it forced me to kind of look in other places for work because I still had to pay bills and things like that so I ended up finding myself in uh you know another job doing consulting and things like that and while there um you know I hadn't been there for long but just kind of adapting to a change in circumstances and at that point um, you know, music was still kind of close, but I wasn't really sold that I wanted to keep doing that anyway, just because it was really just, um, again, more noise and drama yeah. and the professional music business is not a fun industry, you know, and, and just things were changing, you know, right. and I didn't know if I wanted to be a part of that change. And so um, while working in this new kind of role, um, I get a call or a text from my mom saying that my uncle had been taken to the hospital and it didn't look good. So I was able to get time and go see him. But within three days, he was dead. Oh, my goodness. He was doing the drinking constantly. So his, his you know, organs just gave up. And that day, his liver just said, I can't work anymore. And his kidneys, everything just shut down. Uh, and, wow. and so what ended up happening, though, was no one really anticipated that when we got there. So I hadn't seen my cousins in, you know, in a while. So I saw them there again. And that was kind of our reunion. It wasn't a great one uh, when they first when we first got there. But it, it only got worse when we got there. So when we got there, the, the medical care he received was the worst. In fact, the hospital he died in is not even around anymore. They're, they're gone for a number of malpractice type issues. Uh, when he died, they lost his body, you know, just crazy, crazy, weird things like that. Yeah. So when he died, when I remember the, the, the third day we were at the hospital, we were there and there was an issue that they had in surgery that got addressed. So everyone was super high tension. Um, my, my mom, his sister, you know, and, uh, and his other, so they came back home to kind of shower, get food and change. And us kids, we stayed there at the hospital to just be there just in case, because his other brother who lives in Utah was on his way. Right. So that day, knowing that my other uncle was coming for whatever reason, I hadn't picked up my Bible and who knows how I decided to take it with me. So I took it with me. And just kind of left it on the, you know, the coffee table, waiting room table with the magazine and stuff like that. We were just there, just waiting for my uncle to get there from Utah. So he gets there and he goes in to see his brother, comes out. As he's coming out, a nurse behind him says that my uncle's dead. And we're like, what? So, because he was just alive when my other uncle had went to go see him. And then yeah. in that moment, he, he died from the distance, you know, in 10 seconds, he was gone. So... It was a weird, surreal experience where I felt like, you know, in the movies, you're, you're in a room and when something happens, like the room grows and you get farther from everybody. Like that's what I remember vividly happening in my head. And the reason why was because I was standing on one end of the hall. They were at the other end by the waiting room, uh, another waiting room and where the doors are to go in where the patients are. And they were all looking at me, but not really at me. And then suddenly, like, it felt like my arm weighed a thousand pounds. And I realized I was holding my Bible. And they were looking at me, not for me, but like, here's this dude with a Bible, like what you got for us type of thing. Because I was the only one there. Again, I'm put in a position where I'm supposed to lead and know what the answer is. And I don't, I don't know. And I realized in that moment that like, dang, I don't know anything about this book. Why do I even have it? And I felt like I got caught, you know? And so that made me more mad. So I put it down, went into the restroom. I mean, beat the snot out of the stall and everything. And in that moment, while I'm having my tantrum in the bathroom, you know, I hear a, 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 like an audible voice saying, do you hear my voice now? And I was just like, whoa. And I knew 
you don't have to know God to know that when you hear things like that, you know, and in that moment, I realized a lot all at once, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I realized that I had been, you know, playing this hustle to get people to think I'm this kind of a person when I'm absolute trash. I realized that I had been pretending my entire life to be something that at the end of the day, I was just a scared little twerp afraid to ask for the help I knew I needed because I didn't know anything where I pretended to know everything. Right. right? And the Lord just put me on black. That's all he said. And in that moment, I realized like the finality of what had taken place. My uncle was dead, didn't walk with the Lord, heard about him, and there was no other opportunity for him. And yet there I was with a Bible in my hand, not having a clue as to how to use it in that the most dire of circumstances. And immediately like that, my entire life perspective changed. I realized that life is real mm-hmm. <laughs> as is consequence. Yeah. And no one knows when we have to pay that debt. Because right. I'd seen him 10 days before and he was fine. And he went into the hospital thinking he would get out and he was dead. And nobody there was able to preach the gospel to him. And I had the tool to do it and didn't know how to use it. And so it wasn't even a decision I made. It was just something different about my perception where I knew that that was never going to happen again. There was never going to be a person that came across me where I didn't know what the word of God said, where I didn't know who God was as a helper, where I was ill-equipped to point someone in the direction to have a chance to not go to hell. And so that's what it is. And so it just, it changed everything. Nothing nothing else mattered to me anymore, except what was in the Bible. Why was everyone pointing me to a God that they couldn't explain? What was it about this book that confused people? That caused me to be confused. That makes so many people angry. That gives so many people hope. Nobody knows I'm going to figure this out. And that's what it was. And so the Lord really didn't let me do anything else. Actually, (laughs) Like I couldn't not read the Bible and I didn't know why I was reading it, but that's when this guy, he was going through his own issues personally, but we ended up working together at that time in the same company. And as he's emailing me about just stuff, I responded to him just because I didn't know how to not talk about the Lord anymore. It just, it was coming out of my mouth. And, you know, to make that long exhaustive story short, like, you know, through email, I said, look, dude, like, you got to know who the Lord is, dude, where's your relationship with him and things like that. And things just started changing as with him, it, it, I saw the positive effects of what happens when you speak up, right. you know, and he was kind of the first. In fact, yeah. I would say that it was more noticeable in him than it was with my wife at the time. So today it's a different story, but it's it, at that time, I, I feel like her transition was way subtler and more gradual for me. It was like, I mean, boom, complete flip. And there were many issues that even today linger that the Lord and I are working through. But in terms of, of worldview and focus and life purpose and all those things, like that was, that was easy for me right. um, just cause I saw the consequence. So it was, it was a, it was a, a subtle word from him. It was an audible word from him, which I've only heard one other time in my entire life. Uh, and yet it was sufficient to just say, look at what happens when you're not about me. Right. right? And it was, it, it, it doesn't get more real than that, you know? Yeah. And I was tired of being angry. I couldn't because I knew that voice was more powerful than my perception of power because I couldn't do anything to help this guy, right? right? And that's what it was, so. Uh, <laughs> I think what ultimately was cool about that, I mean, just whole situation was, again, like, 
seeing how the Lord brings two people together. Cause like, as all that stuff was going on and I was there, you know, with them and walking mm-hmm. through all that stuff, mm-hmm. I'm going through my own just crazy mess. Right. But that was what really, I think really put us together. Like we had okay. already been working together. We had already mm-hmm. been doing all kinds of stuff, bad and good. Right. <laughs> so that really said, okay, now here's your purpose. Mm-hmm. Now here's what I've been really just talking to you guys about all your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is God like speaking. Right. And that moment brought us together to be able to really, what really jump started the ministry with proper knowledge. Yeah. So the Bread and Beats podcast comes from that extension of proper knowledge. So proper knowledge really was just our opportunity to serve the Lord. And how were we going to do that? Well, we figured, well, we know music, we know right. kind of like event planning, we know like, you know, we're just looking at everything we know. We're like, okay, let's put all that together do all of that and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're probably still doing that today. Yeah. And that was kind of the idea was I realized that for all the the knowledge that people had given me, people were always in my ear, you know, trying to tell me things growing up, which sparked a lot of my anger. But I realized that that knowledge was kind of worthless. You know what I'm saying? Because it didn't do anything to put this guy in a position. And granted, every person is accountable to ultimately do something with what you hear of the Lord. But the fact that I didn't have that, and that to me was the most important thing at that time, uh, that it was it, it was stupid to me. You know, that was the stupid thing was the fact that, you know, for all the information that's out there, the one thing that matters is a thing that my ears were deaf to the entire time because of all of the other competing mm-hmm. things competing for my attention, at which point I understood that, you know, I was to blame, but there were a lot of other things to blame. And I felt like, Lord, this can't happen anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like you, if it, not even knowing you, if you're just as big as I think you are in this moment, people should know that, right? Yeah. right? <laughs> Definitely. And, and, and when our time expires here, then the life is bigger than this moment in this world. People should know that too. And mm-hmm. what your parameters are as the author and governor of these things, how that really works, right? And so that's that in that moment, that's everything just changed to be that, and only that. That is so amazing. There are like so many questions because you're talking about music and event planning. And you answered the question of how you guys met. Because, of course, I was going to ask, how did you meet? But you guys met working together. So right. tell me, <laughs> with proper knowledge, tell me more. Because how do you combine that with music? And what type of music do you do? Like, tell me everything. I'm just intrigued. We, we don't know. Right. <laughs> well, so like, again, we ultimately connected because we were DJs. So for a DJ company, I mean, not this, I mean, I say my brother because, I mean, we've known each other for, I mean, at this 20 point, some 20 years. Some yeah. Years. Yeah. Your brother's so, at that oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we were still kids. Right. So we're trying to figure stuff out. So yeah. We were always connected through music. So as we went on to college and just everything we did and the, just our lives, we still, again, met at a, actually had a, a, a hip hop concert, which was so weird because he shouldn't have been there. No. Nah. <laughs> I didn't even so, like the guy who was performing. I was so like, <laughs> we look back, we're like, okay, there we see you. that's the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, you took something, you know, to bring us together. Right. Uh, but yeah, so as we were doing music production, DJing, and writing, and turntableist stuff, and yeah. all that, um, you know, we at this point started to get involved in the church. So we're like, okay, well, there's, there's got to be like Christian music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pop, urban, you know, R&B, I mean, gospel, like, you know, all that stuff, where is it? Mm-hmm. So we kind of started searching for those things. And then we're like, okay, we found some good stuff. But then like in Orange County, there was a, a 
few groups that were like Christian groups that were doing events and outreaches and stuff. Yeah. Wow. We connected with them. They started to invite us out to all these even, you know, evangelistic type Mm -hmm. things (laughs) and we're DJing. So of course we were like, Oh, who are those guys? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, they're Christian DJs. Right. I guess. I mean, and I was like a new thing then, you know, like, like, you can do that. I don't know. We're We're doing it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. It's the instrumental version, but it's, it's a dope beat, you know? Like yeah. I'm playing mob beat, right? I'm just not playing the lyrics, right? <laughs> right. So that was kind of the case. So I think, but even for us, that's when we started to get involved in the church. I think yeah. that's when we really started to dig in roots a little bit to like get our foundation back. You know, for even our families. You know, like mm-hmm. we mentioned, with life. Um, I was not. I was in a, a serious relationship, which that relationship ended up now she's my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that time, you know, she was kind of getting involved. You know, families are all over the place, mm-hmm. but now we're really connecting. So for us, we got to get involved with the youth group mm-hmm. at our church. Um, then that's really what opened the door for Brandon to really start teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when a lot of things changed too. Yeah. He started to teach. Now we're getting in Bible studies together. I'm kind of getting connected with him. So now I'm even learning myself mm-hmm. and growing. And now we're kind of extending, right? Right. So when we first started, like the idea was to use, yeah, our, our background and experience to, to teach the Bible, but right. I was not a Bible teacher. I, I didn't see it that way at that time. You know, I didn't, I didn't think, you know, I couldn't envision myself in the role of a pastor. Like you see, like in the churches I went to, I wasn't a priest, that's for sure. You know, so, but I wasn't those other guys either, even though I knew they had kind of crazy backgrounds too, that just didn't seem to fit my mold. I don't talk like them. I don't dress. I don't do that. You know? So I, I studied the Bible and I really had to do it out of default because, you know, when I got saved after that day, people just not randomly, but randomly started asking me Bible questions, you know? <laughs> like, like friends, people who weren't saved, but they, they, you know, I told them what had happened with me. So they sought me as a source of like, all right, so what does the Bible say about this then getting, you know, taking that argumentative debate, I got to be right mentality, but putting it into a, a you know, it forced me to study the Bible to get answers. But because I wasn't at that point connected into a, a, a church structure, it was just me and the word, you know? So I didn't have an outside influence kind of guiding me. So I just had to trust in the words that were there. I didn't know there were Bible commentaries. I didn't know there were study Bibles. I didn't know that there was radio programs. I, I didn't know any of that stuff. You know, I just, I just, all right, Lord, Genesis one, one in the beginning, you know, and it's, <laughs> right. that's where it went. And I decided that I needed to know the one that Genesis one, one was talking about and right. stuff started to look different to me. Um, and then, as he mentioned, as we started to get engaged with church, we knew that, look, we have these turntables, we got this music production equipment. We should probably use that for this now instead of that. So let's produce records that somehow teach the Bible, either through hip hop lyrics or singing, or maybe it's just spoken word talking. Like we were just trying stuff. You know, we didn't know how to do what it is we wanted to do. We knew we needed to teach the Bible, but we knew that the way it was traditionally being done was, was one already being done. And two, it wasn't us, you know? So in doing that, uh, kind of what got the attention of people in the church was we started a podcast yeah. and this was crazy 12 years ago. Right. Nobody knew what a podcast was. Like, no, that's oh, so true. Talking. We're like, <laughs> all kind of They're like, Oh, right. it's like online radio. Right. Oh, it's online. I mean, it was just so confusing. And it confused us trying to explain. They were like, well, wait, are we on the radio? Like, I don't really right. know. So it was, it was a mess. So we would, we did essentially what bread and beats is now then, but it was way cumbersome. A lot of moving parts. Production was, intense and so it was a good thing but it was a challenging thing too because 
the way people were perceiving us was different than the way we wanted to be perceived right. in terms of we were a, a novelty, you know, because we had turntables and we did music and, yeah. and the church we were going to was very different culturally speaking, you know, <laughs> so it was, you know, and again, we linked up with these guys doing outreaches, but these guys doing outreaches were kind of just doing them for the church. We realized like, because we didn't grow up in like a regimented church structure and we had our years separated from church tradition and culture and environment. Like we didn't really identify with all that stuff and didn't feel a, you know, a deep hearted connection to those processes. And so we were just doing us, you know, but making sure the Lord was in front of it, but people didn't want us to do that. So it got really confusing for us. We're really up until maybe two years ago. We're like, Oh, this is what we do, you know? Because <laughs> we were always like counterculture, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Music listen to, like, never listening to pop music, really never playing it. No. So, electronic music, hip hop, I mean, drum and bass, soul music, like, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then just how we both grew up, again, we're growing up in, you know, with our parents listening to Isley Brothers, Zap, right. Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Disco, Jimmy, Funk, and, you uh, know. BGs, I mean, yeah. all that stuff. So we're like, dude, this is music. Yeah. <laughs> and we took all that into how we play even now and how mm-hmm. we mix and all those styles. You'll hear all that because that's in a sense of our kind of what we just value as good music. Um, but then also just our style and how we kind of built. And now to be able to tell the story of the mm-hmm. Lord through that, I think that's where we have some good and the challenge was that in as we were starting the podcast in the beginning people you know they they saw that influence and they heard some of the music and they kind of scoffed at us like you can't do that and i didn't believe that i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't believe i i I felt that there was a clear distinction between uh you know sinful conduct and just being human you know what i'm saying well we have depraved souls and i understand that that the (laughs) Music can play a part in it, but so can the stuff they call Christian music. You know what I'm saying? So depravity is depravity, and there's a big gap between depravity and the sinful conduct. And we felt like our intentions and our motivation was humble and right. And a lot of church tradition was trying to convince us otherwise. So we we bounced around a lot in our ministry at the beginning trying to f- figure that out. I was like, you're saying this. I'm studying the Bible now. I'm not seeing what you're saying in the Bible. So I really, like you said, the, the, the stars kind of aligned, so to speak, where I was given an opportunity uh, to teach junior high kids. And remembering what it was for me in junior high, I was salivating at the opportunity. It was like, ah, this is where life can get crazy. So these kids need to know. Like a lot of people kind of get turned off by that. Like, I don't go to the kids. I need to be in the pulpit. I don't want to be in the pulpit. So I don't talk to these kids. So I started teaching them like the way I was learning, which was at whatever level it was, but it apparently was different <laughs> from the way they had been learning before. And then from a person like it was just it was different for them, but they responded. And so the elders of the church and the leadership of the church started to see that and just gave me more opportunities to, to teach. And so it got to a point where over the years, you know, uh, they, they ordained me as a pastor. They had me help start a Bible college there. I'd never been to Bible college and I was teaching and starting one and administrating. And so the Lord took that teaching part of it. We're in the process of that. I realized that the music stuff and everything was kind of a hindrance. Like I didn't care about music anymore. I was like, dude, this is, this is a distraction. Every time we do this, they see us as the novelty and it's actually interrupting our ability to communicate the truth of scripture. So we sold everything. It was, it was gone for 
seven, eight years. Like we didn't do anything like that and just teaching the word. And in that time, you know, our church experience changed dramatically. And, you know, the, the conflict between church culture and tradition compared to just the clear standards of the word of God really came into conflict with each yeah. other where it called us for us to make a decision. And that decision was kind of forced on us slightly, you know, but it was a decision we had to make nonetheless. And well, yeah, so that was the essence of a, the, a big turning point for us. Um, myself, I was uh, involved in another ministry, uh, kind of a homeless shelter kind of ministry, mm-hmm. but I was running the food service operation at right. the time. But then also I was running different uh, men's groups and studies. So it was kind of cool where I'm taking what he was learning and teaching. And now I'm taking that into, again, people that, again, were very common, very similar to us. Mm-hmm. In, uh, right. like, I, mm-hmm. I felt like I related so much because it's like I'm mm-hmm. hearing them talk about the same stuff. I'm like, dude, I, oh, yeah, I went through that or, oh, my my cousin did that. Oh, right. my uncle's doing that right now. I mean, so even for me to now see like real life application, I guess, of right. Scripture, right? right? Real life application of God working outside of the traditional church structure. Mm-hmm. church structure. So I'm in the church structure right. in the moment doing all that stuff and then giving it to him to take it out of the church structure and give it to the people who are actually, you know, who kind of had the same perception, not just growing up, but of church tradition and culture that we were starting to develop more so. Yeah, right? so yeah. for me, I felt like that really showed like, okay, Lord, like, yes, you're in, you're in the church. Like, I understand that, but your really work is outside of it. Right. And, and right. that helped him to be like, hey, dude, you keep doing what you're doing because here's the fruit. Right. Like, you know, whatever's going within there, it is what mm-hmm. it is. Right. But here's what's actually happening. So that really helped us to start I really probably connecting more things right and bridging yeah. the, the ultimate ministry that the Lord's given us, you know, these years. And that was through the course of, of yeah, yeah, of years. Right, right. So it was almost like, you know, Nehemiah commanding the guys, you know, to build the wall in one sense while holding a shield in the other. So I'm holding the shield in church this way, right. you know, against the friendly fire while I'm trying to give him instruction on what to do on the other side. It was, yeah, it was an intense, you know, couple years. And at the time, you know, I'm a first time dad with my son being born. So I'm trying to figure that out too. And all that stuff. So it was, it was a lot. So we didn't really have a, a, a determined purpose and trajectory in terms of like a goal to set for the ministry, right. right? Like this is, yeah, we're called proper knowledge and that's a cool name, but like, we don't really know what that encompasses. We know we need at some point in time, the word of God has to be taught by what we do. And it took on a lot of different shapes through 10 years um, until just recently, I mean, we're on episode seven, yeah. you know, <laughs> of, our, of a podcast that we started 12, 13 years ago right. and got up to episode like 102, Something I think. Like that, yeah. And so, and then we did nothing for 10 years and now here we are kind of reintroducing it differently, but learning through the process, really the essence of it, of who God actually is based on what he said for himself in the Bible, now trying to creatively, again, now music being a part of that again, understanding now, you know, if the holiness and righteousness of God is here, we can better understand our parameters to work with and to make sure that the music doesn't compete, you know what I'm saying, to make sure that he's the focus and not me, you know, the, the being a little older too, you know, I don't have the desires to glorify myself as a as a Christian DJ, if that's a thing, you know what I'm saying? And those, those types of things, like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a dad now, like I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm, I guess I'm a pastor, you know, those sorts of things, like stuff changes in your perception. So in terms of bringing attention to myself that way, like, it's just not a fight that I, 
really have to worry about. There's other ones, but now the Lord has kind of used, you know, that decade of time to kind of, one, bring us together in terms of our uh, relationship, but also in the way we communicate pertaining to the teaching of the Bible. And so what church taught us is kind of <laughs> not to, I'm not, you know, it's not to bash anyone. When I say the church, I, don't, I mean like the, the traditional culture yeah. within the four walls of a building, right? Yeah, I get that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and hopefully your listeners do too. Like we're not church bashing, but there are issues in church, you know, because yeah, there's issues. people in it yeah, still people. and people bring <laughs> issues, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. just what it is. So when trying to wrestle with that and trying to understand that God is took the form of flesh, but is not like us and to understand how to navigate within those, for me, like I said, I'm a slow learner. I, it takes a ridiculous miracle, like in that hospital bathroom right. to get my attention. I'm, I'm an idiot in that sense. So it's taken a long time for me to understand those dynamics and now how to hopefully better, more communicate, you know, with better focus what he is and what we do and how the other parts accompany that instead of take the focus of it, if that makes sense. What is your relationship like we got now? How has it evolved? I mean, for me, just having better understanding, right? Mm -hmm. You know, better understanding of like who he actually is. Right. What people actually told me who he is. Yes. Like that's obviously helped to where keeping that perspective, still understanding who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still James, right? Yeah. Think, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm born again, but I'm still James. Like my name didn't change. Mm-hmm. Like, my name don't change till I get that, that stone. Right. You know <laughs> I mean? And then I get a different name, but right, right now it's still James, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think understanding that and like being able to walk in that. So mm-hmm. when I do fall short, right, I still have that. I could get that attitude. I could just say those things that just really aren't. God loving and compassionate and all those things, but then being able to repent and turn. Right, and know, yes. Okay, Lord, like you're not like sitting there like getting that checklist going, right? Like, oh, exactly. James did that. Oh, James did that. Oh, James did that. You know, and then we're going through and we're counting all that. So it's just like, yeah, James is going to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, James is going to do that. Mm-hmm. But yet I'm still, I love him, right? And, exactly. And that. So I think for me, that's probably the, mm-hmm. the freeing, like, relationship i guess i have with them now versus say childhood teenage right college yeah <laughs> so for me i would say that yeah for me it's it, it's weird because it's like the lord used that tendency i have to self-isolate mm-hmm. as a way to kind of teach me who he is and right. as as a beneficial thing instead of cutting myself off from the world out of bitterness He's used it to separate me from and really maybe even protect me from things that just aren't true of him that are being communicated in those big groups. And so it's it's been a benefit to where, like I said, you know, in the in the evolution of our ministry, he's separated us. Like, I mean, we go to church, but we are no longer like I'm not on staff at a church establishment anymore, you know, and and that that time when that happened, it was there was some bitterness there and just confusion and things like that. But since then he's shown me that how to, what it really is to be dependent on him really to the extent of dependency. Like I can't hold my breath forever physically. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I I use the example oftentimes that like, if you fall out of a boat into water and don't know how to swim, you know what I'm saying? You're going to do what you got to do to try and get to air. And to me, that's what the Lord has shown me about himself because he's, valuable to that degree that I do what I got to do to make sure I get to him to breathe and then to enable others to do the same to where 
you know, with all the dynamics of life these days, you know, and changing very quickly um, in, in a variety of capacities, that life is simple when you're that dependent on him. You do your job that he's given you to do in him, everything else will work itself out. And when you learn through the course of doing that, you learn that he's the one governing it all. He's the one that's giving you the ability to know, right? Not just to breathe and function, you know, as a human being that's alive, but the faith that we have came from him and he's the one that did the work to provide it. The the tasks that we do, uh, whether they're for him or supposed to be for him or otherwise, he has allowed and enabled. The things we don't like, he is also behind them too. And so seeing that degree of, now knowing what it is to, for him to be the helper, and, and the immeasurable greatness of that has caused me to recognize that I need help in every area. Yes, yes. Right? And so no matter what, I, I could say the right things in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And so I need his help for that too. Yeah. But even when I'm teaching a Bible study, I could say the right things. But if I say them with the wrong motivation, then it's worthless, you know, in terms of my relationship with him. He'll use that to produce good for someone else, but now I'm losing out too. Right. So that's that. It's a big issue, you know. Understanding the greatness of God is not something you could just like, like you just can't open the Bible and say, "Lord, I'm going to know your greatness." Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Enough. But what He's done is He's put myself and my family and our ministry in a set of circumstances that have not been comfortable, that have been exceptionally difficult. You know, we work with a ministry in Kenya where the pastor there. You know, when I say our ministry, it's me, James, and my wife. So it's not like a big team of people, right. you know. <laughs> That's our church, so to speak. But we we help another brother of ours out in uh, Kenya, we've had for years, who his church service is on tree stumps in a three-piece suit in the jungle, you know. And his congregation is the 52 orphans that he just found that were abandoned right. or set loose or her, whose parents were killed, you know? Yeah. And so what's crazy is he sends me an email and a video the other day about the needs that he, you know, he has and prayer that he is asking for and financial support and things like that. And I find that our ministry is going through the same issues, you know, for different reasons. We are in the same financial position. We're in the same influence position. We're in this, it, we're the same, right. but he's in a third world country. And I'm surrounded by affluence, but it doesn't change anything. And I'm okay with that because what I've learned in the process of that is that this is why, uh, this is how we learn who he is. You know what I'm saying? And so learning to accept and embrace um, discomfort and difficulty, sometimes to exceptional degrees. And I'm, you know, daily even appreciating the different ways, you know, as a father and things like that, that difficulties can manifest themselves. Um, and just knowing that all the, the things that people say that are bad about God, when it comes to that stuff, Mm -hmm. that not only are they lies, but it's sad that they're, those are the very things where God reveals his goodness, you know, and, and that's how stuff has changed with me where all the things that I was angry about with myself and in the environment around me and the world generally was all caused by God, but he was using it to show things about himself that are good, that are contrary to me and all other people. And that's the difference. And I feel like, you know, it it takes a unique set of circumstances to start to see things that way. But thankfully, I don't have to be in charge of those circumstances. He's got it all laid out for me. I don't always like them, but I'm I'm learning to value them. And that's the difference. You know, that's the difference. And I think that's what the Bible ultimately is, is referring to in terms of saving faith and those types of things where 
you know, regardless of what's going on in your life and around you, um, it doesn't really matter. That doesn't change who God is. And learning to embrace and appreciate that and trust that a good God can't be anything but a good God will produce good in spite of bad that we see. And that doesn't mean things will get better now. It could mean things will get dramatically worse, but I'm learning that that's still good because of who he ultimately is and the fact that the essence of his goodness is eternal in nature, which I'm not. So I need to be in a different nature, which he will do that work, but that's what it is. And so being able to understand the eternal and the spiritual nature of God's goodness and righteousness and holiness has been, you know, the the biggest thing where I think those are maybe the things that are seldom communicated because those are the things I did not hear. I heard a lot of things about God, but never about his eternal and his spiritual focus and how he sees the big picture and works everything together to accomplish the big picture purposes. Because I don't know how they all work together to produce that good that he promised, right? And so it's weird that the relationship I have with him based on the more I know has really been nurtured by exposing all that I don't know. If that makes any sense, you know. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Yeah, that's the essence of the podcast, right? That's bread and beans. Right. Know, us being able to share these truths with you know people, so it's like everyone's got this perspective of God and who He is, who He isn't, and blah blah blah. But it's like, dude, hear who He truly is, though. Yeah. Based right. on the scriptures, He spoke for Himself. Yeah. You know. So we're gonna go through that, so, yeah. and we'll look at it together. Well, listen to some beats. We'll eat some food. Right. Have a good time. Right. And go from there. Right. (laughs) That is amazing. And I agree because it seems like what I learned in my childhood sometimes was not enough to sustain me as I got older. And so it's like where I am now, I feel the same way because I understand that the way I used to view God is not the way he really is. You know, the way I was taught to see him through church is not how he is either. It's one of those things where you read and you have to just get to a point where you're just like, the person I'm reading about is not the person that I was taught about. So you just move on and grow from there. And that is my motivation to let people know, you know, God loves you. And I know what we've been told. And I'm not saying that you can do whatever you want and sin continuously and it's taken right. for granted. But what I'm saying is that God loves you and he would love you even if you didn't love him. And he wants you right. to do things because you love him and not because you're afraid of him. Right. That's just uh, the whole thing. It's about doing things out of love because I tell my kids all the time, I do not want you to do something that's right. If you're just doing it because you're scared, do it right. because you love me. That's the whole right. thing. Right. So I love what you guys are doing. No, praise the Lord. So what advice would you give someone who's looking for God? What would you tell them? I would suggest coming to him in humility that if you really want to know who God is, he speaks for himself in his word. And the same spirit that equips me to teach the Bible is the same spirit that every follower of Jesus Christ has, not necessarily gifted as a teacher, but certainly has the opportunity and ability to understand the scriptures. And so to what degree? That's for him to decide, because I could teach people to the greatest depth I know how to, and they not understand anything. Or I could teach people like simply, and they all of a sudden, boom, explode with understanding. That's up to the Lord to determine. But will you approach him by faith that he actually spoke himself for himself in the Bible to describe who he is, forgetting what everyone else said about him, but going to him himself with the objective to really know him and being content with what he says? in spite of what you want. And I know that's a loaded, loaded situation. But again, the good news is, is the Lord is not counting on us to get there. That that's why he calls us 
and then provides the ability to make that turn, to take that step, to gain that understanding, to seek help, and all those other things in the places that he provides it. Wow, what an amazing interview with Brandon and James. My favorite part of the interview is when both Brandon and James talk to me about their experience and how they came to know God for themselves, how they found God not by what they were taught, not by what they were learned. And to an extent, Brandon even said it was just too much. It was too much overload, sensory overload for him. And that's what I want you guys to know. When you have a relationship with God, there is freedom because you know who you serve. You know who God is. And I think that's the whole point. God wants us to know who he is for ourselves. We can't know who he is through our family members or our church. We have to have that experience with God for ourselves. And we have to know him for who he is. Another thing that I like about this interview is that throughout their whole entire lives, as Brandon talked, as James talked, you could see how God was with them the whole time. Whether they knew about him, had a vague concept of who he was, God was there the whole time. Even when they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, God was there. He never left them. And I think that's another important thing for us to realize, that wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, God is always with you. He is here. He never left you. He has been with you since day one, and he's just waiting for you to reach out and talk to him or to introduce yourself to him or know him. When I say introduce yourself, God already knows you, but sometimes we don't take the effort or make a step to get to know God, and that's all he wants. God wants to have a relationship with us. So this was an amazing interview because I think it brings all of that full circle and in the context how God wants to have a relationship with us, and he wants us to get to know him, not for being a genie or whatever it is we may think he is, but for being God, a person who died for us and who loves us with his whole heart and sent his son to die for us. So that is the thing that resonated with me the most throughout this whole interview. Now, the song we're going to listen to today is a song called God, and it's a song that I wrote, and it talks about how God is there with you all the time. I'm not singing the song. I did have someone else sing the song, but I wrote the song. And I picked this song specifically because based on what we talked about, the song just talks about how God was with them the whole time. And that's what I want us to remember, that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God is with you the whole time. God is with you now, he was with you before, and he will be with you in the future. God will never leave you or forsake you, and that God is there for you. So think about that as you listen to the song, God. From the storm, I am safe when I'm with you. You are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God, you were there all the time, God, always easing my mind, God.
Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for hanging out with me. Season two is amazing. And the thing that made season two so amazing is that you were here with me listening to how James and Brandon found God. Now, if you want to get in contact with James and Brandon or know more about their initiative or listen to their podcast, all of that information can be found in the show notes. If you want to get in contact with me, all of my information can be found in the show notes as well. If you guys have a story that you would like to share, you can always contact me through the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest on the Finding God podcast. If you guys have any music that you'd like to share, you can again go to the email address that I have in the show notes and send me a copy of your song in an mp3 format so that you can get it played on the show. I also want to encourage you guys to listen to the podcast, follow the podcast, and share the podcast. Well, I think that's all for today. If you guys need to contact me, you can get in contact with me, and all my information can be found in the show notes. Until next Friday, have an amazing day, enjoy your weekend, and I will definitely talk to you again next Friday. (laughs) Bye-bye.